Hey, I am so glad that you're with us today. It's Halloween. Isn't that kind of fun? You're going to be watching either on Halloween or maybe a day or two after. We're just grateful you're here, and I hope that you're able to celebrate Halloween, All Saints Day, in fact, a saint who's gone on in your life. And we're grateful that you're here for Live Simply, Love Generously. Will you join me in prayer as we begin our time together? Holy and gracious God, you really are good. You really are so generous. And we are just your grateful folk. So God, uh, help us in these days to determine that we're willing to trust you to live more simply so that we can love more generously and that we can commit ourselves to that generosity in the year to come. Thank you, God, for all that you have done and will continue to do in our lives. We pray, God, that we would simply do our level best to be your faithful followers and to offer your generous love in all that we do. God, this is our prayer. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I couldn't let Halloween go without offering you a couple of Halloween jokes. I was going to dress up, but you know, I'm just not good at that. So let me share with you a couple of funny, at least I hope they're funny, uh, Halloween jokes that I thought might, uh, in, you might enjoy. Hey, how do you make a skeleton laugh? You tickle his funny bone. <laughs> Which Halloween monster is good at math? Now, you know this one, right? Count Dracula. <laughs> How about uh, what are ghosts? Why are ghosts terrible liars? Because you can see right through them. <laughs> and then I love this one. Why don't mummies take vacations? Because they're afraid to unwind. <laughs> and then here's another good one. What's a ghost's favorite dessert? I scream. <laughs> I scream. And then what does the skeleton chef say when he serves you a meal? Bon appetit. <laughs> and then finally, I love this one. Which, what makes trick-or-treating with twin witches so challenging? You never know which witch is which. It makes it hard, right? Well, I trust <laughs> you've had enough of that, right? I trust that uh, you're going to have a great Halloween uh, with your family, your friends, whoever. Uh, what I also know is Halloween, interestingly enough, I think at least, is kind of a, a, a season of trust, right? If you've got kids and they go out trick-or-treating, you trust that they're going to have a good time. You trust that uh, they're going to be safe if you let them go out, right? You trust that the candy they bring back is going to be all right for them. You trust that the event and the evening, if you will, is all going to go well, right? It's all about trust on a lot of levels. We don't really think about that, but uh, it's fascinating to me, these holidays like this. Interestingly enough, we also get kind of worried, right? If it's our first time to let our kids out, right, by themselves and we're not going with them, we might get just a little worried or a little stressed, right? We might get a little worried or stressed when they bring back much more candy than we ever imagined they could and whether or not they're going to get tooth rot, right, because of that candy. It's interesting how we often get worried or stressed or have anxiety about stuff, right? In fact, during and throughout COVID, it's been a horrible time with regard to that, hasn't it? In fact, I was just at the doctor the other day doing my annual physical. He, he, I've had this doctor for a number of years. He knows, of course, I'm a pastor. So he asked me how ministry's going, and I told him it's a little bit stressful these days. And he said, you know, uh, I have seen patient after patient after patient. There are more um, heightened needs for stress and anxiety and worry all the time. You feel it, don't you? Uh, there's all kinds of things that lead to that. Well, the good news is in this season and in our time, 
man, Jesus has some great wisdom and comfort to offer us as we continue our journey through live simply, love generously. We're still in the Gospel of Matthew in the sixth chapter, and Jesus is continuing to offer this amazing insight into how it is we can trust God and live more fully into that relationship with God. So listen to Jesus' final words in our teaching now about how to live simply and love generously. So Jesus says these words beginning in verse 25. So I tell you, don't worry about the food or drink you need to live or about the clothes you need for your body. Life is more than food and the body is more than clothes. Look at the birds in the air. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, but your heavenly Father feeds them. And you know that you are worth much more than the birds. You cannot add any time to your life by worrying about it. And why do you worry about clothes? Look at how the lilies in the field grow. They don't work or make clothes for themselves, but I tell you that even Solomon with his riches was not dressed as beautifully as one of these flowers. God clothes the field and the, the grass in the field, which is alive today, but tomorrow is thrown into the fire. So you can be even more sure that God will clothe you. Don't have such little faith. Don't worry and say, what will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear? The people who don't know God keep trying to get these things. And your Father in heaven knows that you need them. Seek first God's kingdom and what God wants, then all your other needs will be met as well. That's a strong word, isn't it? Don't worry, Jesus says. <laughs> Easy for you to say, right, Jesus? Don't worry. Well, it's fascinating what Jesus tells us not to worry about. Jesus doesn't say don't worry about everything, but he does say very clearly, don't worry about the things you need. And then he lists three very specific things, food, clothing, and shelter. And he identifies that these are basic needs, right? They really are. Food, clothing, shelter are basic elementary needs. And he just says, don't get so wrapped up and worried about those things. And he gives these beautiful descriptions of how God takes care of the sort of lesser beings in the world, right? Have you ever wondered how you got anything solved by worrying? Worrying doesn't really solve anything, does it? In fact, worry does nothing more than really sort of work us up. It kind of causes even perhaps more stress and more anxiety. It kind of uh, worries us in such a way that we sort of wring our hands and we're not clear what it means or how we're supposed to move forward. Worry, not really helpful. In fact, I like this little sort of a pithy phrase that helps guide me at least, and I hope it might guide you a little bit. I, I say these, these four words, worry immobilizes, but concern causes action, right? If I'm worried, I get flustered and, and flutter about and I don't really do much of anything. But if I have concern, it suggests, well, I, I understand this is an issue or a problem and, and I'm actually gonna try to do something about that, right? So concern will cause action for us and it helps us to recognize that there are possibilities. But when we worry, it actually removes a connection with God. It, it sort of creates a distance between us and God because we start worrying more about our issue, concern, problem, than we do about the fact that God is here, that God is with us, that God is for us. And this becomes sort of Jesus's point when he talks about not worrying. 
says, golly, God takes care of the birds of the air and God takes care of the fish in the sea and God even beautifies the, the grass in the field. And how much more valuable are you? Remember, Jesus is teaching this in the context of treasure, right? The context of how we understand the things that are in our lives. Sometimes our schedule, sometimes our valuables, sometimes our time, our energy, our talents, all of those things we treasure. And Jesus is simply saying, look, don't so much worry about these basic necessities, but rather um, focus on your relationship with God. Because ultimately that's what he says. Look, all those other folks, they, they worry about those things. But those of us who have a relationship with God, who know that we can count on and rely on God, we can turn toward God, right? And trust God. In fact, Jesus's ultimate word there is, seek first God's will and God's ways, right? Do what God wants. And these basics, food, clothing, shelter, these will somehow come about. These will somehow be provided. It's a fascinating teaching, right? And ultimately, all Jesus is saying is, look, give your whole heart to God, and then you're going to figure out everything else. Now, it may not come in the time frame you want. It may not come in the way that we want. It may not come as we expect it. But God knows what we need, and God can help us discover that. And so Jesus is literally trying to help us say, let's turn from worry to trust. He literally will say, um, golly, don't worry so much about your financial uh, success or your financial uh, way, wherewithal. Now notice, he doesn't say you shouldn't prepare for retirement or you shouldn't sort of uh, make way for emergencies in your life. He doesn't say that. He just says, don't get wrapped up in that. Don't get so worried and, and so overwhelmed that you can't function, right? In fact, Jesus simply wants us to trust God in all things. Jesus wants us to know that there is someone on whom we can rely to help get us toward a, a, a great end, to help us face the now, to help us understand that even when things are not going as we want, God is still with us and God can still help us, right? Seek first God's kingdom and God's ways because God can provide a way. This is about trust. It's about sort of realizing that I can rely on this God to help me face the future, to help me know that life will be all right. I love the way the prophet Jeremiah put it. He, he was very straightforward. He just said, blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord, right? I mean, trust is fascinating. And when it comes to money, this is what we've been talking about, of course, over these last few weeks is how do we live with God with our financial resources? How do we honor God with our financial resources that God has first entrusted us? And I've long found it fascinating that every denomination of our money, whether coin or bill, has the words, in God we trust. You've seen it. It's on everything you spend. And yet, isn't it fascinating that that's one of the least likely things we're willing to do with that money is trust God with it, right? Is to recognize that God has both entrusted it to us and we are to trust God with it. In God we trust. That's Jesus's ultimate goal for us. That's God's desire in our relationship with God, right? 
is, a, is sort of this ultimate understanding that we can trust God with these finances. We don't have to make all the decisions ourselves. We don't have to get so consumed with this that we can't figure stuff out. I love the fact that Jesus realized that money would have a trust issue with it, right? It's why in these teachings in Matthew's gospel uh, in chapter 6 that we first talked about the heart issue, right? Where our treasure is, there your heart will be. Jesus knew this was a heart issue. He also knew it was an eye issue, right? We talked last week about the eye as the lamp of the body and that we need a generous eye, not a stingy eye. And today, Jesus turns to the mind. And he basically helps us to see that, man, not only is it a heart and an eye issue, but it's a worry issue. And the worry stuff gets all caught up in our heads, doesn't it? Whenever we're worrying or anxious or stressed out about something, it starts right here. And then it sort of moves through our whole bodies. And Jesus is trying to help us see, you don't have to worry. But rather, if you will trust that God's got this, that we can handle this by God's strength, that we can continue to do God's good work in the world if we'll simply trust and believe. And really, isn't that what trust is? I mean, if I trust someone, if I trust something, it means I've, I've got faith in them and I believe that I can rely on them, right? And so Jesus is simply saying, look, trust God with these resources. Trust that God will make a way Trust that God can help us see our way through whatever circumstances we're in, whether we're in debt or, or whether we're not clear when we might want or need to retire, whether we uh, are facing some financial struggles in our home life or with our family. God can help, and we simply need to trust. And so, friends, as we sort of look towards next year and how it is we might could live more simply so that we can love more generously, I want to encourage us to think through what, what would this trust look like? How is it that we can make this trust work a little better so that we don't worry and so that we are seeking God's kingdom first? Well, I don't know about you, but when I kind of think through stuff, I kind of ask the why, when, how questions, right? And we always need to start with why. Why is always the basis point for how it is we do anything, right? So I wonder if when we're thinking about how we can trust God with our financial resources, how we can trust that God will enable us to be generous, why is it then that we give? Why do we do this thing? And I want to say quite simply, the whole reason we give is out of gratitude. We don't give to pay the light bill at the church. We don't give to pay my salary or other people's salary. Those things clearly happen with your generosity. But the reason we give the why is because we're grateful to God. We're grateful that God has given us life. We're grateful that we have family. We're grateful that we have friends. We're grateful that we have a church. We're grateful that we can live our faith in the world. We give thanks to God. It's our very first response. I want to encourage and invite you to go read Genesis chapter 8. In Genesis chapter 8, it's, a, it's the flood story. It's Noah coming out of the flood. And in that story, after they get off the ark, after they spent all of these months on the ark and, and been with all these animals that they saved, you know what Noah does? He steps off the ark, and the very first thing that he does is he makes an offering to God. He gives something back to God. Why? 
because he's grateful to get off that ark, because he's grateful to get away from those animals. He's grateful for the fresh air. The very first thing he does is make an offering to God. If you go to Genesis 14, you see a similar story about Abraham and how he's grateful to God. You go to Genesis 28 and you see Jacob and how grateful he is, and therefore he makes an offering to God. You see, the reason we give is because we're grateful. The psalmist uh, put it so well in Psalm 136. This, this is an antiphon, actually. In Psalm 136, verse 1, it says, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. And every single verse has that phrase in it in Psalm 136. And every verse reminds us that God is good. And this is why we give, because we're grateful. Now, what should we give? Well, that's a perfectly viable question, right? We all probably ought to be asking that question. And what we should give is a proportion of what it is God's entrusted to us. Not, for instance, just setting a random figure, $25 a week or $100 a month, or just, but rather, what do I make and how can I give a proportion of that to God? You know, in the book of Deuteronomy, it's a book both of worship and of the law the, to help set the Israelites on a good fashion uh, to, to live. And in Deuteronomy 16, verse 17, it just says, Each of you must give a gift in proportion to the way that the Lord your God has blessed you. And man, there's good news in there. Part of that is, golly, if I don't think God has blessed me, I don't need to give anything. But if on the other hand, I believe God has and is and will continue to bless my life, then I sort of want to give in proportion to that. How do I believe God has blessed me? And so a proportion says, God, I'm, I'm thinking about you, I'm trusting in you, and I want to make an offering for you. And so we have what we call the two-step principle. Uh, and the two-step principle is quite simple. First, you determine a percentage to give. Give 1%, 3%, 5%. Determine a proportion of your income that you are willing to make an offering to God for and start making that offering. And then every six months, we say step up 2%. So if you start at one, move to three. If you start at three, move to five. But every six months, step up, and that way you begin to work toward a tithe, which is God's desire. That's the proportion that God said, man, I, I want you to give this. And it, it helps set priorities for us, and it helps us to better understand how much we give, uh, how much we appreciate God and want to honor God with that. And we give it first so that we can then determine how else we're going to live. And so you see, for instance, on the screen, a, a giving chart. And that giving chart starts with 1% and moves all the way up to 12%. And a part of that is just you, you see and determine how it is you can uh, establish a proportion of your income. But we all know what we make. Now, I know some of us are self-employed and, and things are topsy-turvy in terms of when and how income comes. But if we kind of know the overall or if we kind of understand an expectation, set that proportion and offer it to God and offer it with a willing heart and a gracious spirit. That's what we ought to give. Now, how should we give? Man, it's simple. Give cheerfully. God loves a cheerful giver. In fact, that's what the Apostle Paul uh, said to the folks at Corinth when he wrote to them. He just said, look, uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, each of you must give as you have made up your own mind. I love that. Not reluctantly, not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You see, friends, we should never give 
out of obligation or duty. We, we should never give when we don't feel that it's a part of our faith journey. We should never give if it's not helping us in a relationship with God. In fact, our giving, whatever it is, ought to simply and solely be a cheerful gift. I desire to do this. I want to do this. But what helps me in my relationship with God? If, if our giving is not helping our soul, is not causing us to be even more grateful, helping us to recognize the am amazing gifts that God offers us, we shouldn't do it. But if, on the other hand, we are grateful and we do recognize the blessings of God and we're willing to trust this God who gives us everything, then, man, let's make an offering. Let's commit to do that for God. So not only should we know the why, the how, and the what, but I'm sure every once in a while some of us ask, well, so when should I give? Am I supposed to give uh, once a year? Am I supposed to give weekly, monthly, quarterly? When am I supposed to give? And my simple response is this. Give regularly. Whatever that means. I mean, think about it. In any good relationship, no matter whether it's spouse or friend or work colleague or neighbor, any good relationship is based on regular and consistent communication, right? It's why we ought to pray on a regular basis, because it helps our relationship with God. It's also why we ought to give regularly. And, and that's a broad term. Regularly could be weekly, but it could also be monthly. It could be quarterly. But all we say is just, just give on some consistent basis over time, because just like praying and reading Scripture, generosity helps us in a relationship with God. Don't worry. Trust in God. Seek God's way first. It's why in this season, we're inviting you to sort of look towards a commitment for next year to establish what we call an estimate of giving. Uh, you received that uh, intangible form in the mail a couple of weeks ago. But we also invite you to make this commitment of an estimate of giving because uh, in Scripture, there are several instances where the Israelites, the people of God, made a commitment to God. They, they literally sort of said, we're with you, God. And in some instances, they even wrote it down. I think about Nehemiah, for instance, when they were rebuilding the temple and they wanted to reestablish worship with God and they wanted to be as committed as they possibly could. Nehemiah chapter 9 says the people responded to the leaders, the leaders who were calling them to help rebuild and to commit to this worship and to make it happen. The people simply responded when the leaders called on them. In view of all that you're asking us and telling us, we're going to make a solemn promise and we're going to put it in writing. And what you see in chapter 10, because that's the last verse of chapter 9, is that they committed in writing to uh, tithe to God, to help build the temple, to worship regularly, to love one another, to offer acts of justice. They committed themselves to that. You see, there's something about that, isn't there? Putting something in writing, establishing that we believe this is true, recognizing that we can do this. So I'm going to invite you, uh, as I did last week, to look at this uh, graphic on the screen. This is the giving in our households over the last year. And kind of feel where you are. See what, what color column uh, indicates your level of giving, your proportion of income that you're giving. And I'm going to issue you an invitation. I'm going to invite you to prayerfully consider, hey, can I step up? Is it possible at all that um, uh, I might be able to get into the next category, that I might be willing to say, God, I trust you. I trust that if I step up, 
you're going to provide. I trust that if I step up, somehow this is going to work. I, I trust that I can make this happen, God, by your strength and by your grace. And friends, your generosity will help make ministry possible. Your generosity will help people come to know of the saving love of Jesus Christ. Your generosity will help build God's kingdom. Friends, we've got a, a great couple in the life of the church, uh, Jill and John Hurlbut. They're longtime members, and they are deeply committed to the ministry and the mission of this church. And one of the ways they do that is through their tithing. I'd love you to hear their story because it speaks so wonderfully about how they learned to trust and to then follow that trust with their generosity. Listen as they share their powerful story. The whole purpose of, of God's creation is for us to learn how to love. But in this particular thing, when we're talking about tithing, it really to us is more about obedience. I think it's hard enough to discern or to understand what God wants us to, to do in big things and in small things you know, throughout our lives. And I think uh, that it's not about the church or it's not about generosity or it's not about, it's about us. That God instructed us to live this way so that we uh, live out our priorities, so that, so that we demonstrate maybe to ourselves more than anything else that we're not the most important thing. It kind of goes with what John was saying about priorities of putting God first, family second, your thir yourself third. And if you can treat your finances that way, it it's just makes life so much more simple. And we learned um, through a lifetime of doing this that you develop this as a habit. It just is what you do. We were taught and raised that way, but once we implemented it into our own lives, it just became part of what we do. And um, it has made things simpler for us. Um, no question about what we're gonna do. I think it reduces, it's reduced our stress. You know, we don't have to, we don't have to make these priority decisions all the time. Our stress is greatly reduced because we trust, we have seen it happen in our lives. Um, it took a lot of faith, it wasn't easy, when we were younger, um, but now we have the trust because we know that it works. We know that God is gonna provide for us, um, and uh, just putting our life in order has, has, it gives us just that sense of trust that it's all gonna work out. I think, our, I think that our trust has, you know, has grown um, through the years. I think it's a, it's a little bit about gaining discernment or trying to gain wisdom or trying to understand, okay, God, I know that the big point is to learn how to love, but what I do with this, you know? This, to me, this thing about prioritizing your life and, and giving first and saving second and living on what's left, that, it's not easy, but it's not complicated. It's not, there's, there's, it's not hard to understand, right? I would encourage anybody just to take that step, that leap of faith, and just trust and know that God will take care of your needs. Man, I love their story because it speaks about their own personal journey, but it also speaks about how that journey allowed them to stop worrying 
and start trusting in the God who provides. And it has led them to live more simply so that they can love more generously. Friends, I just want to invite you this day to prayer, to a desire to follow God, to seek God's kingdom first. And as you do, I want you to prayerfully consider how it is you might can make a commitment in 2022 to the generous ministry of TREACH. So there on the screen, there's a website as well as a QR code you can scan and that QR code, and that'll take you to the place where you can begin to fill out and submit your estimate of giving for next year. Friends, all I'm inviting you to do is to trust. All I'm really inviting you to do is to consider, is this faith that I have in Jesus? Is this belief in a God who has created all things and set everything in order? Is this God a God I can put my trust in? Is this the God who I can say, God, I, I'm, I'm a little scared, I'm a little worried, and I'm not sure I can quite do this, but I'm willing to trust you. I'm willing to take Jesus's advice. I'm willing to understand that this is a heart and an eye and a head issue, and I need to learn God to trust you. And so friends, I'm calling on you to prayerfully consider that trust and whether or not you believe it's true. And so I ask you to consider this question as you prayerfully consider your estimate of giving for next year. God, can I trust you? Can I trust you with my generosity? Can I trust that you will make a way when I don't understand how there could be a way? And my prayer for all of us, as you join Kay and I and many, many others in the life of this church, as we make our estimate of giving for next year, I'm going to trust and believe, and I pray you will too. Thanks be to God that we really can live simply so that we can love more generously. Will you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, thank you that you have been so generous in our hearts and in our lives, that you have created space in this world for me and for us, and that you've offered us the opportunity of a lifetime to live your love in the world, to offer your generosity to others, and to be those who trust you with our whole hearts because we genuinely want to seek your kingdom first in everything we do. God, may we trust you and may we believe that you will indeed provide. God, this is our prayer and we lift it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey friends, let me say to you how much I appreciate your generosity. Every single week you make ministry possible. So thank you for doing that. If you'd like to make a gift right now or schedule a gift tomorrow, go to the QR code that's on your screen. Just scan it right there with your phone, or you can text the letters T-M-U-M-C to the number 45777. Remember, your gifts make all the difference. Thank you.